You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. Hey, on this week's podcast, I talked to Kyle Micklin, student director at the Clear Lake Campus, all about deconstruction. So we've been in a series called Reclaiming Your Faith. And so I asked him about what does it mean to deconstruct your faith, to really break it down and understand what you truly believe. In student ministry, they did a series recently on this. And so I want to hear his thoughts. All right, Kyle, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Awesome. It's good to be here. All right. Is this your first time on the podcast? Uh, I think I've been on one other one, All right. but it's been a while. Welcome so. back. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we've been in a series called Reclaiming Your Faith. And uh, one of the, the, the other terms that we've thrown out there is this idea of deconstruction, which mm-hmm. seems to be a uh, popular terminology, at least you know on social media and people like that. And so you, had, in fact, in student ministry, you guys have put together uh, or put together a series Called deconstruction, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, deconstructing, yeah. yep. Yeah, deconstructing. So you're working through all kinds of different issues like that. So I just want to talk about that on this podcast. And we should probably begin by defining what deconstruction is in mm-hmm. case anyone has never really heard that term before. Yeah, I'm sure they've heard of it, but it's like it often doesn't get defined. Like it kind of gets left um, to our own interpretation to figure out what it actually means. And so I think deconstructing most simply put is when people evaluate the faith or religion system that they've had throughout their life. And they begin to ask questions, whether it's still compatible with their worldview as they move forward. It's like, there comes a moment. It's like, can I still continue to build on these beliefs that I held maybe when I was younger, maybe my parents gave it to me, or maybe I've just kind of seen it play out, but can I continue to build upon these ideas? Are are they compatible with my worldview? Like, do I see them actually working? Are they true of me? And so uh, that causes some, sometimes it's just like, I'm going to hold on to this and do away with this. But other times it can lead to completely and totally like abandoning the faith altogether. It just becomes incompatible with what they see happening in culture or in their world or in their lives. So, so it seems like it's, um, it tends to be a a younger generation thing, at least the trend right now, millennials and Gen Z. Uh, why do you think that's the case? I think it's because, I mean, there's a moment for uh, any high school kid where they start to ask themselves like the question, is this what I believe? Right? Like, is this true of me? So it's part of it's natural. It's like, you just see that play out. Um, I came to church, like, am I coming to church because my parents want me to come to church? Am I uh, being a part of student ministry or a small group because I want to do that? Or what, what are the motivations that are causing me to do these things? So it's just a, honestly a time of evaluation for many. It's like, yeah. let me evaluate where I'm at. Yeah. And that seems like that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, in fact, it should be a good thing, right? Absolutely. I mean, mean, we talk about that a lot, that uh, your faith is on loan until it becomes your own, Mm, right? I mean, especially like in uh, children's ministry and student ministry and even young adults. And we're constantly trying to help people understand what what does the Bible say about certain things, but then trying to build in this... um, a sense of trying to evaluate and and understand faith for yourself. And so mm-hmm. it can become your own. Oh yeah. So I, I, I think, I mean, the approach that we certainly tried to take in student ministry throughout that series and really just in general, is kind of redefining, uh, taking the term deconstructing that it's like, it seems so scary, especially to a parent. Like they think my kid might be deconstructing. My kid might be uh, losing the faith that we've kind of built them up to have. But it's like, the hope is that in that process of asking those really critical conversations, um, 
that they can come away with something truer, deeper, more meaningful, something that they can own and say, this is truly mine. So it's like you deconstruct to reconstruct. You're trying to build up that framework in a way that's like, yes, this is, this is what I believe. This is what I can hold to. This is what I can move forward with. Like I, I, in my searching, I met a truer version of Jesus than what I had before. And so they, they really start to own it and embody it. But yeah. So thinking about that age group, it, is this unique to the place and time that we are now? Or is this something that really has happened or always happens almost within generations as people get to their late teens and into their 20s and they're reevaluating what they believe? Yeah, I think it's certainly more heightened, but it's certainly like things that we've seen throughout history, right? Mm -hmm. This is just what people have done. Um, as you look at kind of the landscape of Christianity, it's like, like you said, it's like there comes a moment where your faith has to become your own. And so, um, and you start to question like, what is truly the heartbeat of Christianity? What has culture kind of added to, um, uh, you know, religion can be one of these things that, that so much gets added to it. You see it in the, in the old and new Testament with the Pharisees and the mm -hmm. religious leaders, how they, over time, it's like they begin to just kind of build um, extra walls around what it meant to truly serve the God of the Bible. And Jesus came and did, what did he do? He was helping the people deconstruct, right? Yeah. Like he was helping them tear down some of the elitism mentality, um, the things that really kind of was being harmful to the movement um, that God was hoping for the world and working out and, helping them embrace a truer version of it. So I certainly think that, man, we've seen this before. It's just been repackaged. Now it's been heightened, I think, primarily because of things like social media and mm -hmm. um, it, it's way more available. It seems like, it, it doesn't just seem like um, a couple people are dealing with it, but everyone's dealing with it. I mean, I've had friends uh, throughout um, my life that I grew up with, grew up with in church that have deconstructed and uh, would now call themselves, we're not Christians anymore. So um and, and I think it's just being promoted in a way that's, it's almost like it's being marketed towards a little bit. So mm. that's where the fear starts to bubble up and come in is when you see that happen at such a massive level. Yeah, and absolutely. And you start to see that even among um, pastors. There's oh, like yeah. some pastors, well-known, you know, national level pastors who have, you know, said similar things. Uh, mm. Musicians, well-known musicians within, you know, Christian music circles that have come out and said very similar things where they're saying, no, I no longer identify as a, as a Christian anymore. Um, maybe they're an atheist or agnostic or something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's deconstructed to the point where, where that's where they are. And mm. I think, yeah, from parents or other people who are trying to lead and, and walk alongside someone to see, man, if that's, if that's where the end of this road goes, that's a really scary prospect. Dude. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what are some of the emotional baggage that you see coming alongside the, this process of deconstructing? Yeah, so I, I, I think it's an interesting question for, for a couple of reasons. And when I do think, like we said, there's a lot of making your faith your own type of um, uh, motivations involved. this. Like, I, I need to see if this is what I believe. But then there's also like, just the hurt that you see that's come from things like, um, it's not just, I'm trying to make my faith their own, but there's also ways in which um, a person's maybe experienced um, a church leadership that's oppressive and harmful and that they've uh, been acting in a way that was out of step with the gospel. And so now this person looks at it like, man, this, 
this church that I tethered my life to treated me in this way. And so it's, it's hard for me to see the goodness of God in the midst of that. The, the place that I should have been safe, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's things like that that start to come up. I mean, um, some of the issues that we're dealing with in this series, Reclaiming Your Faith, issues of race and um, justice. It's like you look at the world and you say, okay, if, if Christianity is to be a religion of of love and grace, and that's what it's to point towards. And why do we see this stuff coming from the front doors of the church? And so that's just people's stories that are wrapped up into that and their experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think we've seen a wide, I mean, even within like um, our media platforms, uh, we've seen stories of not just pastors who are um, deconstructing, but pastors who have abused their authority and their power. Um, uh, there's a podcast that was pretty popular, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, right? On Discovery Channel right now, there's one out on Hillsong. And so, and each time they, 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 they sit there and they interview these people who are now questioning their faith because it's like, this was the institution that I was supposed to be able to trust. And now mm-hmm. I don't know if, I don't know what to think. So does that, does that oh, answer yeah, your question? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, uh, it's interesting. I was re- reading a book, um, Tim Keller wrote a book called Making Sense of God. It's kind mm-hmm. of his sequel to uh, The Reason for God. And in one of the earlier chapters, he talks about people have stories of uh, deconstructing. I don't think he even used that that language, but he talked about you know people having these stories of um, deciding that they're no longer followers of Jesus, that maybe they are now atheists. And he said there's some there's some commonality between them and some common elements, and and some of those elements seem to be things like. Um, uh, you know, they met an atheist that wasn't as immoral or as unhappy as they thought that atheists were supposed to be. Hmm. And so it sort of broke the mold for them. They thought like, man, these atheists are just sort of these sad people because they, um, they've they turned away from God. But it's like, no, actually, they seem to be pretty good people. Yeah. Um, stories about uh, abuses within the church, maybe they've personally experienced it or they know of people, uh, moral failures from church leaders, oh, yeah. um, you know, other things that maybe they might be able to point to and say, man, that's just a, the hypocritical church institution. You know, someone uh, had some financial indiscretions or whatever it is. So they sort of lose trust within the church institution, which, you know, starts to, to crumble maybe what they, they've built up as the foundation for their faith. Maybe mm-hmm. unknowingly, they're yeah. like the, the, the church and their church experience became the foundation for them. And mm-hmm. then when that started to crumble, because it's led by fallible humans yeah. that then that sort of crumbles their whole faith. Oh, and maybe that's sure. when they realize that, well, really my faith wasn't so much built on Christ and what God has revealed in the scriptures, but based on maybe some of these other things that we've added yeah. to, to it. So I think even with that, it's a call to like, even for us to, to, to ask ourselves, where is, where does my faith lie? Like, what is it rooted in? Is it in, is it in a leader? Is it in a, a um, a pastor? Is it in an ideology or is it in God himself? Because um, for students, I think that's a big deal. Like a lot of times it can be throughout high school and junior high. It's like you've been tethered with a small group leader for so long. And it's like, that's where your faith really lies. And, and so it, it's, it's helping um, kind of transition that student or person or individual into a, a clear picture of what God would have for them. So. Yeah. It makes me think about you know Ephesians four. There's a passage that we talk about a lot. Is how mm-hmm. you know, the role of the church, the role of elders and pastors within the church, are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I think about how it's also it's, it's equipping 
followers of Jesus to walk with God on, on their own, mm. you know, um, to be able to read the scriptures and be able to um, understand what worship is and to be able to pray on their own. And so their faith isn't so dependent on uh, a pastor. Like, you know, the only time I read the Bible is when I show up and I hear the pastor say, okay, open up to this. And mm -hmm. that's the only time I ever read it. And if I don't have that pastor or if that pastor goes someplace else or has some other issue or retires, well then, you know, I don't know what else to do. Cause he mm. was, he was the guy who read the Bible to me, you know, and helped me understand it. Cause it, you know, so trying to help people develop those skills to, to know Jesus and walk on their own. So mm. that way they can do that. For sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so how do you see this working with parents? I would imagine that it's a scary prospect, like you said, for a parent to see their student or their young adult now starting to get to a point where they're making their own decisions, they're moving into adulthood, and part of that process of making their own decisions, they're deciding what they really believe. Hmm. And so what would you say to a parent who's seeing their student or their young adult question in these ways and start reading some of these books and following these people on social media. Um, yeah. How would you encourage them and yeah. maybe just help them? Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, how, how would you ally some of their, their fears? Yeah. So I think a couple of things. I think um, the first thing is to acknowledge like what you actually have control over. Like you're, as much as we want to see these things come to fruition in our kids' lives when it comes to their faith, um, it, we, we acknowledge and come before a sovereign God that said, and it admit our inability to actually make those things happen despite how much we might want them. So it's like, God, you ultimately have control over this. And so I think that the, when, when we make that connection, our natural um, reaction to that is to go to him in prayer and acknowledge he is the one that ultimately um, draws people unto himself. And so uh, that would be the first thing is spend a lot of time praying for your kids. And I know a lot of parents do that. It's like, you, it, it's like you, you feel the lack of control that you have over some of those things. So instead of like um, clinching down on them and um, uh, driving them to places maybe that they're not ready to or in this process, because that, that can happen. It's like, you're like, I want to force this to happen. And that, that often doesn't work very well. In fact, that, that infuriates kids more than anything. Um, but going to God in prayer and petitioning on their behalf. But I think also utilizing other voices in that kid's life, like who, who from a young age, especially like building voices into this kid's life other than your own, um, I think modeling for them um, what it really looks like to follow Jesus. I think when I look at culture, some, when I talk to students who are deconstructing, a lot of them, they look out at the world um, and their world is much smaller than what the world actually is. Um, but sometimes like, man, is, is, is faith or is Christianity, like what, what benefits does it actually have to me or my life? So we use the term like nominal Christianity a lot. And for a student who looks out and sees a bunch of people who are primarily nominal Christians, just Christian by name only, um, that it really has no impact in the way that they live their lives, that causes them to question, like, do I need this, right? If it's mm -hmm. just by name only, do I really need to invest um, my time and energy into this if I really don't think that it makes much of a difference. Like you brought up, it's like you can point to atheists or people who are non-religious and they seem to have greater capacities for love than some Christians do, mm -hmm. like especially for those who are marginalized in our society. So they look at that and that's what their heart's drawn to. Like this generation more than most have been motivated by love. And so uh, surrounding your student with people who um, really uh, wouldn't be nominal Christians, but 
true, genuine Christians, right? So I think in student ministry, we try to do that by uh, putting navigators in these kids' lives, right? Uh, a, a person who is um, outside of your home that points the points them to the goodness of God's word and the goodness of God's love for them that we find in his word, and then letting them see what that looks like to live a life that's on display. Um, and then the third thing, I think just acknowledging that this is, this is normal. Like, like it happens at different levels and different degrees, um, but your student questioning and asking those questions, that's part of growing up. It's part of them owning their faith. It's part of them um, really building a foundation for which they can go out and be a, be a, be a true follower of Jesus on their own. So, mm-hmm. um, and then also, I think for the parents surrounding themselves with other parents who are walking through similar things, if you can find someone who has grown kids, I, chances are they've walked through similar things. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that shared experience and that shared, um, that wisdom that they can share within you or share with you about how they've messed up and how... Um, uh, how they've responded in the midst of that and the things that they've done well. I think all of that plays a, plays a part. And there's probably more things, yeah. but... Yeah, I mean, I, the other thing, even to go along with that, it, it seems like it's also an opportunity for the parents to grow in their faith oh, yeah. and their understanding as well. <laughs> um, I've seen that too, to yeah. see a child um, who's you know a young adult deconstructing and trying to understand what do I really believe about those things? it caused the parent to almost have to do the same thing. Mm. And because they're seeing their kids push back on something and why do we do this? And why don't, you know, whatever it is. And the parent's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I don't have a good reason. Mm. I've I've just been doing this for so long and I've now told you to do it. And I haven't really thought critically and evaluated whether or not that's something that is biblical. And I really believe that. And um, I've seen a lot of parents, I mean, even just, you know, when I was, when I was younger and going through, you know, just similar, making it my own, I saw a lot of my friends' parents go through that same process yeah. of thinking about, okay, well, what is it that I truly believe? And for them, it was it was a good process because those parents grew as well. Yeah, because you think about the amount of things like that parents often label as Christianity, mm. but it's really not tethered to Christianity. But it, culture has tethered some of these things. Yeah. Like um, that was definitely true in my home, right? There was much of what, you know, like, where, where you see how the gospel loosens the grip and kind of refocuses both parent and student back in line with him. And so uh, it, it's trusting God in the midst of that process that he will do, he will, he will finish what he has started, right? And so yeah. he's constantly doing that. We should all be constantly in a season of like evaluating where have I added to the gospel? Mm-hmm. Well, and so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, going back even to, in the New Testament, I mean, that's what Jesus was doing is, you know, how, how did, uh, you know, the, the Jewish community, how are they adding to God's work in the Old Testament? Mm. And, you know, Jesus comes to flip everything upside down. But then throughout the church history, I mean, if you were to study church history, you see this process. I mean, th- this is one of the, the projects of the church is to continue to, to reevaluate what do we really believe to, mm. to drive towards the gospel, you know, from uh, the Reformation to all kinds of different uh, great awakenings. Uh, I mean, you can just, all these different seasons within the life of the church. And um, I mean, back whenever I was in my twenties or so, that was like the the emergent church was a big deal. And it seemed like it was a very similar thing to the questions that people were asking now yeah. when they're talking about deconstructing. Um, that, was, that was the movement back then and people mm-hmm. pushing back against you know, the way church was done and the way that people, um, you know, acted, the, the morality, I guess, of Christianity and trying to 
to break down and deconstruct all the, the trappings that come with Christianity and come with the church and understand like, is that Christian or is that something that we've culturally added to Christianity? Oh, for yeah. sure. So, for sure. so you guys have finished that series, right? Mm -hmm. In ministry of deconstructing. So what are some of the takeaways from you personally from that or some conversations that you've had with students or, or parents uh, for that matter yeah. as a result? I think students are grateful that we're not afraid of having those conversations. And I think that's also in line with parents too. It's like, parents, don't be afraid to have these conversations with your kids. Uh, your kids are asking them whether they're asking you or not, right? So uh, students are just grateful that there's safe places to talk about this stuff. I think it's freeing for kids to not have to pretend like they're put together. And so that's was definitely some of the experiences that we've had. And we're, we're still uh, through that series. And, and our hope is that just the environments that we create for students, that it would be a safe place, that they would experience the kindness of God, which means that they then feel comfortable to bring their objections, their questions, their concerns. Hey, my faith is shaken on this area. Um, I think the second thing that, that from that series that kind of stemmed from that is just being able to look students in the eyes and be like, yeah, you have a lot of questions. Culture doesn't have better answers to those questions. Mm. Um, and just kind of lean into some of that stuff and be like, they like to pretend like they do, like they have all the answers, and but they really don't. And so, um, and to walk through some of those, um, walk through practical examples of that and, and seeing students like be like, okay, uh, it, you, you get to, when those conversations get, are, are had, it just provides space for um, clarity uh, in the midst of a lot of confusion. So, because mm -hmm. like that student's alone, they feel alone in that and that they're looking for those safe places to have them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, even what you talked about, how the culture doesn't have a better answer than what mm -hmm. the Bible says. I mean, that's really the heart behind the, the reclaiming your faith oh, series. Yeah. We talk about diversity, uh, intellectualism, uh, sexuality, justice, like those are all things that our culture has answers for, they advocate for. And mm -hmm. what we're saying in this whole series is that the biblical understanding of these things are... Um, are far more compelling mm. and beautiful than even the alternative that our culture tries to, to pitch for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, which really, if you start to try to deconstruct what our culture thinks about some of those things, it really doesn't have much of a foundation mm. be because you know, when, if you try to deny an existence of, of God, but then still try to say that people have uh, dignity and value, it's hard to say, okay, well, what, what are you basing that on? If you can't say, well, it's because there's a creator God who assigns that yeah. dignity and that value and loves people in that way. You know, wow. How do you just determine what good is if you don't say that there's a, a God who determines and defines what that good is. Hmm. It's based on what you think. And can't hmm. that change? Hasn't that changed throughout history? Um, and so to really think, no, I mean, the Bible has good answers for this, like, oh, yeah. because it's based on a, on a God who loves you, who created all things. And, you know, he's the, the champion and the author of diversity and sexuality and uh, justice and intellectualism. I mean, so I just... It's been a good series for me personally, as I think through these things, M more sure in my faith and my understanding, oh, yeah. and just more excited for God's uh, revealed will, will when it comes to those things, you know, what yeah. the Bible says about it. Dude, I love that you said that, because I think that's what this series is doing for me too. Like, it, no matter where you're at in your faith journey, when you look, when you look, focus in on these topics, like your faith is strengthened. Like my confidence in who God is, 
and what he says and what he has for the world is strengthened. And when we avoid these topics, I think fear starts to set in. Our, our, we start playing tricks on ourselves. And so leaning in and really hearing what God's word has to say, it builds us up into greater confidence, which then drives us to greater missional intensity, which like, yeah. So all of that, just, you see that playing out in the lives of students and this, I think for our church in this series. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're working through this series, but are there other resources that you would recommend for somebody who's going through this deconstruction process? Yeah. You mentioned one of them, Timothy Keller's stuff. Anything by him is huge. Like um, Keller is a, um, Timothy Keller is a brilliant um, thinker and studier of the, the scriptures, but also he really has a good thermometer on culture mm-hmm. and where it's at. And so um, he's done ministry for many years in some um, areas and places where confidence in God seems to be at its all-time lowest. And so he's really dedicated his life to, I think, helping people do just that, build confidence um, in the, in, in, in their faith and who God is. Um, so two in particular, um, the reason for God and then making sense of God. Is that the one that you brought up? Yeah. Both of those. I mean, they kind of go hand in hand. And then also Rebecca McLaughlin, uh, has a book. Um, she actually has two, one, a student version, one for geared towards students. Um, and then another just for anybody, but it's called, um, confronting Christianity. Mm -hmm. And both of those walk through some of these really difficult and hard questions. What's the student one called? I can't remember. It's like 12 12, beliefs or something like that. Questions that every student's asking. Yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't know. I should have known that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's my fault. Yeah. (laughs) Rebecca McLaughlin. Yeah. No, it's, it's outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Any other thoughts on deconstruction? Any other encouragements for people? Man, it's just trusting God that, that, you know, when we see, um, I think there can be some fear that sets in. It's like, man, is Christianity losing? Like, is, is God losing the fight? Like, I think that's what begins to set in in people's minds, but it's like, no, 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 God will grow his church. He's done it. For, there has been far worse than TikTok that's come after yeah, God. Yeah. Like Nero tried to destroy the church. Plenty of people, men have set their goal to destroy God's church and they just, they haven't done it. In fact, you look across the, the, across the, the, the globe and you see that while maybe uh, here in America, there seems to be like the church taking a backseat, but the church is exploding in other places where God is moving and working. So we just can't be so narrow-minded, trust God and walk in obedience in light of that. So, yeah, absolutely. It certainly is a, it's a refining moment for the church when those things happen, when people are evaluating what they really believe and hanging on to the gospel. Um, those are opportunities for us to be firmer in our beliefs and be more refined um, instead of feeling like it's okay just to be nominal yeah. and accept things as they are. So yeah. it is a good thing. For sure. Cool, man. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. It's fun. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.